Hi, this is Marta. Welcome to the podcast Invisible to Visible, where our goal is simply to make women more visible. We will meet once a month and discuss everything and anything that impacts a woman's day-to-day life. So let's talk, explore and ask many, many questions. In the world that strives to be more equal, why does it sometimes feel that when it comes to different laws and legislation, family life and the big corporate world, women are still often invisible? Well, grab a cup of coffee or tea, depends on your preference, and let's start. Hi Deidre, how are you? Good morning, Martha. I'm great. Thank you very much. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. It's it's very early morning. That's okay. It is. Yeah. Okay, so let me introduce you first. So today with us is Deidre McGinn. She's a founder of Step Up, Step In. She's a career and confidence coach for women. Before starting her career as a coach, she has spent 25 years leading teams in and leading teams and individuals through organizational and transformational change. Her background is in technology industry, working at LinkedIn, IBM and Oracle in a range of senior leadership roles. As she says herself, during that time, she made a conscious effort to champion those around her, especially women who needed extra guidance to help find their voice or overcome their self-limiting beliefs. And in January 2020, that passion has become her purpose and she made a brave decision to leave the corporate world and she set up Step In, Step Up, where she helps women with their confidence, taming their imposter syndrome, building their personal brand through individual and group sessions. Welcome and thank you for being here. Thank you, Martha, and thank you for that very kind introduction. So it's part of who I am. I think the other part of who I am is that I'm a grandmother, I'm a mother, I'm a partner, I'm a daughter, I'm a friend, I'm a great friend. And I think that we forget that that's at the core of who we are. And all the other bits, the worky bits are, they're just part, they're they're another part of us, but not all of us. Yes, and yet, I think two days ago, you put this amazing post on LinkedIn about your, uh, at 49, you'd be made redundant and how that affected you. And I'm assuming that's the point when you tore, you changed the career and you moved into coaching. Um, and the post, in that post, you say that you should not, uh, I suppose, put your identity in work. And we often forget about it. And then when things like, you know, being made redundant happens, it really hits you very badly. It was, it was probably one of the most devastating things that had ever happened to me. And I don't say that mm. lightly because it took me on a, on a journey of a little bit of self-destruction. I felt that, so my whole identity from, I'd say probably my early 20s was, was caught up in my work, who I worked for and what I did within those organizations. So I had a really successful career in the technology industry predominantly in sales. So I rose very quickly through the ranks in organizations like Oracle. I started as a, as a rep and left there as a senior manager, went to IBM, left there as a director and uh, went to LinkedIn and did various different senior roles at LinkedIn. So my mm-hmm. everything, everything was about my work. To the detriment of my family, to the detriment of my life. I didn't have a partner. I was so consumed by work. And then some and then suddenly somebody pulls the wool from under you and it's gone. 
overnight and with mm. no real explanation, no real, no real sense of the why. And I'm, I always yeah. go back to the why in my life because once I get the why, then it's much easier then to figure all the other stuff out. So the why bit was 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 difficult for me. So when you walk out the door of an institution that is such a big part of your identity and that's gone and there was like a lot of existential questions being asked of who am I what am I but what was amazing during that time is I was doing my diploma in advanced executive coaching at Smurfit and it was a very small Mm -hmm. I was part of a very small group I think there was seven or eight of us and I was coached to within an inch of my life and it was very clear as part of that coaching process that I was burnt out. I was, my energy was spent. It was gone. Yeah. I was very, very tired and I was running on empty. But I didn't know that. I couldn't even see it for myself. Sometimes you, you need to go into a coaching environment or have somebody put up the mirror to you to say, mm-hmm. this is what you need to see. And, and I had, and I was very fortunate to be able to do that. So I took some time out. I traveled. I did. I went to some amazing places, and then life comes at you. So my sister in October, my in November of that year, my sister passed away, and it was again this Sorry. other massive shock in mm-hmm. not only my life but our family's life. But I think she was fifty-one, and I think mm-hmm. it takes you to a place where what on earth am I doing? Life's very short. So it's, it's that, it's in your face. Life is very short. And we don't know what's around the corner. We don't know how long we've got left. So, in, like, do what you want to do. Do what you love. Yeah. Do what you enjoy. Just do what makes your heart sing. Yeah. And that's how I got on to the journey. I never wanted to have my own business ever, 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 ever. I never imagined that I would be out there coaching women on confidence or career. But what I recognize is from my when I reflected back on my work, they were the elements of my work that I loved. So I had a brand within those organizations that I worked in as the as the mentor, as the coach, supporting Mm -hmm. women, lifting women up, encouraging women to say yes to opportunity. You know, I would be found in the toilets in LinkedIn, helping women prepare for interviews doing the power pose with them building their confidence before they went in for an interview that's who I was and and that was at the core of what made me really happy and that's how the business was formed because I was I want to do something that I love I want to do something that brings me joy and from the day I left LinkedIn my world changed I live in a better for oh my god for like oh I can't even begin to tell yeah. you Martha how... but you know what you seem so happy I look at you and you're so passionate when you talk about it you really seem like a very happy person Do you know not every day my partner would tell me <laughs> today, not so. every day, would they? but uh today's a good day no I, I in general like if I if I think about the yeah. biggest benefit I got from leaving corporate world there's so many benefits but one of the biggest mm-hmm. was it, it helped me create capacity in my brain to think beyond work and numbers and targets. And I had no capacity to even start to believe in myself in terms of what I could do beyond this identity and corporate world that I had lived for for so long. So creating that capacity helped me 
helped me go through a journey of self-discovery about who I was as a person, mm. not as Deirdre McGinn LinkedIn or Deirdre McGinn IBM, but Deirdre McGinn. And it's that first time when you leave and you go through redundancy, somebody says to you, well, what do you do? I'm like, what, what, what do I do? What's my identity there? What do I do? And it's not I'm just Deirdre McGinn. I am Deirdre McGinn, a mm-hmm. confident woman who now has her own business, a successful business, who's been on a journey of self-discovery and also clearing out a lot of negative and toxic energy in her body to allow her to welcome different types of people into her life, amazing people into her life. I met my partner the, the, in 2020, you know, at 50, redundancy at yeah. 49, meet my partner at 50. He whisked me off to Europe. I haven't come back since. Like within <laughs> within a couple of weeks, we were living together in Spain. My poor mother was like, where's she gone? Who's she with? I would <laughs> never have done that in my old life. And three years in now, I could be happier with this man. And then having Archie, my grandchild, has brought so much joy into my life. Why wouldn't I be happy? I live in a beautiful country. I've got a gorgeous man. I've got a, an amazing family. I work for joy every day. I get to spend every day with amazing women who, if I can help them feel even a smidgen more confident, it just it fills me up. Deirdre, that's absolutely amazing to see that how something would have been seen as a, I suppose, a negative experience as, as redundancy. I'm talking here about the redundancy has been in a way a positive change. And, and now you're a coach, a confidence coach. Um, and funny enough, when I was telling my friend that the next episode is going to be about confidence, everyone suddenly got very interested in a topic and was like, oh, but that's perfect. When are you when are you doing that? Basically, that were the questions because we all sometimes struggling with confidence. Um, so I've done a lot of research about confidence in general. I, I try to prepare for my for my podcast as much as I can. Um, and while I was doing the research to kind of stop myself and thought for a second, how do I actually define confidence? It, it was hard for me to do it. So to kind of put a sentence on it, like confidence is. So so maybe that's a good question to start with. How do you define confidence? Who is a confident woman to you? So I don't think there's a there's a picture of a confident woman. Mm. I think we have inner confidence and we can display confidence externally as well. So I would never look at somebody and say they're, oh, they're a confident woman. I think we can have, ex- and I, I remember in my, my corporate days, for me to feel confident, I had to dress a certain way and I had to look a certain way. Uh-huh, sounds familiar. Keep, keep, yeah, yeah, so well, that external, keep talking. That external piece, right? And that helped mm-hmm. me. It was like my, it was like putting on my power cape in the morning. So uh-huh. having my heels on, having my hair done, having my nails done, having the red lippy on. Now you'd look at me this morning and you go, where's all that gone? Because <laughs> <laughs> it's all gone now, but it was part of my identity. It was part of what gave me, or what helped me look confident from the outside. On the inside, that confidence wasn't as strong. So for me, confidence is a skill. We build confidence. And I think that's the, the that's the probably the most surprising thing for most women when Mm -hmm. we work on confidence because there's this sense that you're either born with it or or you or you've cultivated from a very young age and you either have it or you don't have it 
what I would say to every woman that listens or any man that listens to this podcast is confidence is very much a skill that we build. It can get knocked out of us as young girls. And, yeah. in, you know, and I think there's a huge, like if when we look at the differences in confidence between men and women, there's so many aspects to that. And, you know, we'd nearly need three hours on a podcast just to talk mm. about how as children, our confidence can grow in boys and it can deplete in girls yeah and there's lots there's you know there's lots of science and research out there that takes us that takes us on a journey of from very early childhood as a young girl or a young boy and and how that plays out but I was watching the other day I my grandson Archie who I, I I'm obsessed with but I was in <laughs> the garden with his mom and Archie's little cousin and her mom boy girl Archie's 15 mm-hmm. months and I was watching the two of them play. And Archie is, he already, you can see it, he's full of confidence, has no fear, wants to climb everything, run as fast as he possibly can, and is just what you would say a real boy. This mm-hmm. little girl that was in the garden, the minute she went to climb something, her mother was going over to her going, oh, no, don't do that. Yes. Don't. And it, it was like taking that sense of risk out of the child whereas Archie his mother Jennifer would say don't do that Archie it would go straight over his head because she said it to him 10 times already that day so he's become quite immune to no whereas this little girl you could see her you could see the effect of her stopping what she was doing so and it's not a fault of a parent by any stretch of the imagination that's not what I'm saying it's just we tend to allow boys to take more risks than we do girls and I think risk taking builds confidence at a very young age and it it builds resilience around confidence also at a very young age yeah Yeah, I I 100% agree with you and I was reflecting on that actually myself um the last couple of days because I remember when I was a child and I have a sister and a brother but my brother is a bit younger than me and my sister. There's only like 11 months between me and my sister and there's 11 years between our brother. So for a very long time, it was just me and my sister. And um, I just remember that the amount of times I've heard, oh, girls shouldn't be doing this. Oh no, girls shouldn't be, you know, mind your dress, mind your clothes. Girls need to present themselves. And it really builds that attitude in our heads. <clears throat> Excuse me, I think it's, it kind of is I think it's two things one thing is that boys are allowed to be adventurous they're allowed to push boundaries they're allowed to be furious but also the other thing that this really puts in in a woman's head and in, in a young girl's head that we're being really judged by the way we present ourselves we look and I don't mean the physical look as a you know brunette blonde but like you know how we're being perceived by the world um in a way that, you know, we always have to be perfect. We always, the, the phrase good girls, I, I, how much I hate that phrase. Because what does good child means? Good girl, good child means. Child that listen, that doesn't question, doesn't push boundaries. It just follows the rules. And I, I do feel we as girls were required a little bit more. And hopefully this is changing now. But, you know, my generation for sure, we were definitely raised differently than boys and we can see the the results of it now yeah and I think if so if you I think there's 
couple of things here. One, mm-hmm. if you look at if, you know, when you're in the classroom and you're praised for being a good girl or for doing something perfect, then yeah. you crave that praise. And that, that then starts to, to define your confidence. So then when you do something that's not perfect or something that's not right, you don't have the resilience to handle that rejection or handle that negativity or that feedback. If you And I, I, I've observed boys in sport also because I have one son and he played a huge mm-hmm. amount of sport and I used to watch them on the field and they were abusive to each other like they would be called <laughs> all sorts of names all sorts of things they would be poking fun at each other and pointing out each other's faults but for me that helped the, that that team or that set of boys build resilience because mm-hmm. they were hearing all of this and they were it was it was bouncing off them right so they were they're able men I believe in in the workforce if you take them off the the rugby pitch at 10 11 12 and you put them into a work environment they're able they're able to they're more resilient around feedback mm-hmm. so if you tell a man you know you're not doing that right or that's wrong they're able to bounce back much quicker if i was to tell a female colleague and give her feedback she would ruminate on that it would sit with mm-hmm. her she'd overthink it she would go her perfectionism would kick in why didn't I do that correctly? Why, you know, and it would, and I know being a woman, I have ruminated on feedback. And in that feedback, there might be three bits of good feedback and there might be one bit of bad feedback. I focus on the bad. The man would focus on the three bits of good one and would bounce off the bad. Not saying that men don't take the feedback into consideration. They would, but they don't take it into their heart. And ruminate mm. and ruminate and ruminate over it. Yeah, I really hope the way we raise our children. I have two boys um, myself, and I'm very cautious on how I talk to them, um, or what kind of message I send sent to them. And I have uh, a friend who has three daughters. I was recently sent me a photo and I'm so cautious again not to be like oh they're so cute look at the little dresses I'm like they look so strong and brave oh my god that picture is great but we have this thing when we see a young girl in a in a little buggy you know oh she's so cute and boy oh my god you're so strong we this is embedded in us I and I'm very cautious and I watch myself when I do that and I still do that myself I still think that myself so I, I suppose there is another generation to hopefully, you know, we'll get rid of it. But there is another another while before we, we get to that. Um, there is. But we also have to take into consideration boys and girls are different. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the, the brain makeup of boys versus girls, girls have there's parts like 99 percent of our brains are very similar. But there are small mm-hmm. parts of it that aren't. So there's a part of our brain called the anterior cingulate cortex. And that's bigger in women than it is in men. And that's the part of the brain where we recognize errors and we weigh up options, right? Okay. So, for instance, I'll give you an example. And it drives my partner to insanity. (laughs) I am big on options. I love options. I will go, like, this is, like, you know, he'll say, "What what are we going to do today? Or what restaurant will we go to tonight? And I'll say, well, what about this one? And he'll go, great. So in his mind, that's where we're going. And then I'll come back yeah. to four other restaurants 
that we could explore. And I'll give him options. And he goes, don't give me options. I don't want options. I don't like options. I can't handle options. Just tell <laughs> me what I'm doing. But as a woman, part of my brain loves options. And in that, that in that part of that in the brain, this is where we look for errors. So women tend to look more for errors than men do. So we look for the mistakes, which can lead to overthinking, can lead to procrastination. It can lead to all sorts of things. So although 99% of our brains are similar, there are elements of a woman's brain that allow her to mm -hmm. overthink too much, maybe. Um, and to have those perfectionisms, that perfectionisms, whatever that word is. So, and then we've got the test, we've got the whole hormonal thing going on as well. So we've got the testosterone versus the estrogen, right? And we know from research that if we look at estrogen, that's the that that in our brain, that is where we we build connection or we bond. And women have more estrogen in our bodies than men. So that would indicate, based on the science, that women tend to bond and uh, bonding and and creating that um, connection and community is more important to women than it is to men. If we look at testosterone, that's the hormone that builds muscle, that makes us run faster, that um, help, or it, 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 it uh, drives more uh, focus or uh, determination and men have 10 times more testosterone in their body than women so research tells us that our brains are a little bit different our makeup our the chemistry in our bodies is a little bit different so that content that can lead to how we are in the world how resilient we are in the world how you know how much of our masculine traits have been developed versus our feminine traits. So it's a very complex, men and women are very complex, relationships are very complex, confidence in men and women are very complex. You know, that's why I find this this feels so fascinating. Yeah, but I, but I suppose with, with the fact that we're all different, that's what we're trying to do with equality and trying to say that equality, it's not a woman taking over the world equality is you know can we just be 50 50 50 50 represented on all levels so if we take the good traits of men and we take the good traits of women or the bad traits of men and bad traits of women because we all have them mm -hmm. so if we mix them together the world is going to be better for everyone so i suppose that's the whole point of equality we're not saying you know women are better than men or men are better than women or anything like that we just want to share this and mm -hmm. um, and kind of bring whatever best we can all bring into this. And, and actually, but, I agree with yeah. you, Marta, but it's recognizing that there are differences. And those differences, when Absolutely. you bring them together, are powerful, right? Absolutely. And I, we need to be mindful of that in the corporate world as well, to know that there are differences. Um, and at the meetings, men and women react to things differently. Um, and I suppose having that balance is what helps to make the right decisions to drive the business forward. Um, but just going back to confidence, um, I just want to touch base on, and you, you kind of started to talk about perfectionism and, and other things. So what are the killers of 
confidence in our adulthood because obviously that you know childhood behavior and and, and things like that that's a very complex area we touch on it briefly but now once we kind of get into other our adulthood what is killing our confidence the most so i think there are three key killers of confidence i think the first is perfectionism the mm-hmm. second is comparison and the third is procrastination i start with perfectionism yeah it can hold us back whether we're men or women it can hold us back because nothing is ever good enough so richard petty is a professor at ohio state and he's done a lot of research around confidence and his definition is probably my most favorite definition of what confidence is and his definition is confidence is the stuff that turns our thoughts into actions. So we have procrastination or perfectionism tendencies and nothing's perfect. Then we never we never hit the send button or do what we need to do to push ourselves. Take that action piece to go. This is good enough now. I'm going to send it out into the world. Mm-hmm. And with the women that I work with quite a substantial percentage of the women perfectionism is what is holding them back because they don't know when good is good or they haven't they've lost sight of what good looks like and they want everything to be 120 percent so the women those women that i work with is trying to get them back to a place where they feel comfortable in their mind to take the risk to send something out that's not 120 percent perfect and I think for women, uh, so that's the that's the first one, perfectionism. Second is comparison. And can I interrupt you there for a second? Do you think perfectionism is connected with the fear of failure? Is that what is stopping us to send that email or send that proposal or whatever? Is that to do with, if it's not 150% perfect, then I'm going to possibly fail and I'm going not to I'm not going to be happy with myself what will people say about me and all that you know another door in our head opens and and we dwell on it is that to do with that with with the kind of the the fear of failure yeah Yeah. and it's you know it's it's a huge part of it it goes back to when we were children when we were praised for being good girls or doing something perfect or that's perfect or you look perfect or so perfectionism or being perfect is what might have defined you as a a child or as a teenager. Mm. So trying to roll back what perfection, what perfect is actually in in the real world, because if you're working in an organization and you have to get stuff out quickly, you have to find a way of knowing what's good enough within that that situation. Because if you don't, you're going to perfectionism can lead to overwork, can lead to burnout, can lead to all sorts of serious Ill- illnesses for the individual because they they they've forgotten how to take a risk, mm. and they don't yeah, want. I was watching, I was watching a video, um, just a short video on one of those social media, and it was Mark Zuckerberg, and he was kind of saying that everyone see the success of Facebook and what he created after that. 
but he was listing five or six companies that he created before and i've never heard about it then he was talking about you know harry potter author how how many times she was rejected before that book was published and the one sentence he kind of closed this this speech on and i i literally took it down because it was i, I love a good i love a good quote i i wrote it down and it said, the greatest success is having a freedom to fail, yeah. which is so powerful because we're so afraid of failure. And so I, I just I just felt, you know, watching that video was, um, was very powerful, I thought. But if you're a perfectionist, Martha, and somebody says that quote to you, that would put the fear of God in you. That would stop you. It's like, oh, my God. Yeah. Failure. Oh, my. And, and for me, failure is probably the most important important skill we can have to learn yes failure a hundred percent and i'm 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 mid 30s i'm 35 in about two weeks time and um i'm only learning this now i'm literally only i in my mid 30s i realized that i actually cannot not fail it's impossible <laughs> do you know what i mean so i better just try things out and see what works yeah for me and um, so then the second one you mentioned was comparison. Yeah. Now, hello, yeah. comparison. How are you? I feel like I can tick my boxes under all the three you mentioned. Yeah. So comparison, especially in today, in today's world with social media, we we mm. see the per, we see the perfect side of everybody. We see the what people want to show us on social media. Yes. We see on you know when I'm posting on LinkedIn, we see the. The perfect scenario it's very not yeah. a lot of vulnerability um, in mm -hmm. in these environments so you never see the vulnerability unless people you know consciously show it to us so we're always comparing ourselves to whoever it is that you know is for me it's other coaches like when i started my coaching business i compared to myself to everybody and i nearly gave up i nearly stopped because i never thought i was mm -hmm. good enough compared to all of these other people. And I had a great mentor, a lady called Lisa Hughes, who's still such a great friend of mine. And what she said to me back then was, stay in your own lane. If you look at me or compare myself to me or any of these other coaches you're comparing yourself, they're way ahead of you. They're, they're six to 18 months down the line in terms of running their business or mm -hmm. even eight years down the line. Compare, you stay in your own lane, focus on yourself, focus on growing your confidence as a coach and and that has stuck with me over the last three years as I've built the business but it's very hard like I love Instagram I just love it I I'm I could spend I you know I, I'm ashamed to say I could spend hours on Instagram well I just to be honest I don't know how that happened but I'm just discovering Instagram now so I'm I'm just realizing that there was this life happening on Instagram that I wasn't aware of. I don't know how this passed me. I knew there was this thing called Instagram. I know there's lots of picture on it. And um, I've never registered for it. I never, you know, I never had an account. My first account I've opened was actually for this, uh, for this podcast, wow. uh, Invisible to Visible. And it's it's there now, but I'm, I'm only like, I literally, actually two days ago, I've messaged my friend, oh my God, I did my first story on Instagram. Uh, so I don't know how that missed me, but I've missed Instagram, the whole life on Instagram. I don't know. It can take you down a rabbit hole. Um, it can, it, yes. It can take you to all different places. But I but I love it because the things that I'm interested in, uh, they're the things that I follow on Instagram. So I tend to just really focus mm -hmm. on things that, like I love fashion. I love stylists. I love uh, 
clothes, um, not necessarily makeup as much. So they're the things that I tend to to look at. And, I, and to me, that's an education because part of the service that I provide is I'm a style coach. Um, and I've done mm-hmm. my training around um, styling women uh, because I think that's a big part of how we build confidence as women. You know, if we feel good, if we put on something that helps us feel good about ourselves, that helps with our confidence. And I talked about how that had such an impact on me in my corporate career. So, so Instagram for me is about focusing on the things that I'm that I really love. I think you can go beyond when you start going beyond that, then it can get dangerous and toxic, and you can spend way too much time on it. Um, but <laughs> comparison is huge on Instagram because you're looking at everybody's perfect life. You're looking at how people are, yeah. and they only present the good stuff. They don't present, you know, at half seven in the morning looking like, I don't know what we look like. And I'm putting you in there as yeah. well, Martha. <laughs> <laughs> Please do, do, absolutely, half seven in the morning. <laughs> um, but, you know, without the makeup, without the hair yeah. done, without the clothes on. Um, but this is real. And we have to learn that people's reality is not necessarily going to be on Instagram or LinkedIn or t- TikTok is a place I just can't go. I can't go to TikTok. Thank God. Um, but so so you don't know what's going on behind people's yeah the, the picture of people. So comparing yourself to other people is not a good, healthy way of building confidence. It's it's hard not to compare yourself to when you see all those positivity on LinkedIn and all those positive messages. Well, I suppose positive people only post the the good things. And I was actually thinking exactly that yesterday when I was doing my LinkedIn post, post um, my LinkedIn post, and I was just thinking, people must be thinking that I'm living a fabulous life, and I have a good life. But at the same time, I never talk publicly. I talk privately, but not never talk publicly about the the worst parts and the things that I'm struggling with. And there are things that I'm struggling with, and there are things that I'm not happy about. Um, but yeah, you're right. I'm never posting about it, but. People actually, I think, are drawn to that kind of content as well, because one of the biggest podcasts, if not the biggest podcast, is the Diary of the CEO, an amazing podcast. I love listening to it as well. But what Stephen, we're on a first first, first name basis with Stephen, we are. Yeah. We all are. <laughs> well, Stephen. Yeah, we all are. Yeah. So what Stephen is doing is uh, he really gets the vulnerable part out of people. Mm-hmm. He doesn't talk about the successes. Well, he does, but he also talks about the hardship. And that's what I think people are drawn to because you're realizing that, you know, behind all that happy face is the, is the real life. Mm-hmm. Do you know, the, but, the, the struggle, yeah. the vulnerability of it, everything. Uh, and you mentioned earlier the post that I put on LinkedIn uh, mm-hmm. earlier in the week. If I look at that post, it was, it was a vulnerable post for me because... Yes. Uh, there's, there, I had a lot of shame around redundancy. Shame, another thing, shame, yes. And so it's like you move from this identity, mm-hmm. in, my, in, in, my, in my world it was who am I now, and the, the shame around that. So it took me a very long time to say to anybody that I'd been made redundant. Um, mm. And putting it on LinkedIn was a huge thing for me. And if I look at that, post compared to a post two days later that had 12,000 impressions and the one yes. had a thousand impressions or 2,000 impressions right yeah. it had 
not that I'm into the likes and all that, but comments. So it like had over 200 likes. Yes. It had loads of comments. This one had none because people want to see vulnerability. People want to see the reality of our lives and what's really yes. going on. So even in just posting two different posts on redundancy, the one that was personal and demonstrated my my level of mm-hmm. vulnerability was the one that had a, this massive reaction. I was really surprised at the reaction it had and the amount of engagement it had. Yeah. So, you know, that that concur we want we want to see people the reality of your life, not the the show or the picture that we put on. Yeah. Yeah. And if anyone is into vulnerability, they should really look up Brene Brown. Mm. She is absolutely amazing. And as my failure declaring here, I've actually reached out to Brenna Brown, inviting her to come on this podcast. It's a no. She's engaging in other uh, other projects at present, but I'm not giving up on that one. Yeah, but Martha, you've got me. Isn't that yeah. you? Oh, absolutely. So yes. Oh, God. Brene, Deirdre. Yeah. Same kind of similar. Yeah. Similar levels of fame. Well, I have another. You know, I'm doing this every month. I need to get somebody every month. So <laughs> that's the plan. Just planning for the future. But I love your bravery because I think a big part of confidence yeah. is being brave and taking risks and like what I would say to the women that I work with is just be 10% braver every day 10% it doesn't take you out of your comfort zone doesn't push you too far out Mm. but if you can be 10% braver every day imagine all those 10% over a year imagine how brave you're going to be yeah I'm very brave when nobody's looking do you know I mean nobody if I didn't say to you this that I've reached out to Brené Brown nobody would have known other than me and one of her staff who replied uh, so I think I'm much braver when nobody's looking when I'm not sh- presenting this to the world I'm slightly different like that fear of f- failure fear of being judged all of that is stopping me to be kind of braver outside I'm learning I'm working on it and uh, I suppose it's, it's, it's yet to come but Martin, and the, the third thing you're pushing yeah. yourself out, the fact that you're pushing yourself outside your comfort zone and looking at challenging you as an individual and who you are, that's building confidence. Yeah, and the most proud thing I am is that English is not my first language and I'm doing it despite that and I I am sometimes so terrified that I don't actually re-listen to the podcast because I'm just so don't want to hear something I said I was like oh my god that grammar was just terrible I should have never said that uh but yeah I think that's the one of the biggest the proudest things um I have right now is that I'm just doing it despite the fact that my English is not perfect but it's never going to be so I might as well pass that and just keep going because I'll never I came to Ireland when I was 18 so I've learned it as an adult and when you learn a language as an adult it's just it's never going to be that natural so yeah there it is and the the third thing you mentioned then was that's the hard word there you go there's the English kicking in procrastination procrastination yeah so thank you procrastination is when we stop ourselves from doing something so we overthink it or we ruminate about it and we never get around to doing it oh hello friend (laughs) so procrastination can can hold you back and it can stop you in your tracks and you never move forward so if you go back to Richard Petty's definition of confidence it's the stuff that turns our thoughts 
into action. And confidence is about action. We need to take action. Whether we fail at that action or whether we're successful at that action, it doesn't matter. We need to take action to build confidence. Mm. So what is that we can do on a daily basis that helps us with the confidence? What, what, actions, what actions can we take? every single day smallest thing because you know it's the, the power is is in the small things that build up over time what can we do on a daily basis oh there's so many things so if we if we bring it into the work world the the biggest thing that the biggest impact you can you can have is to have yourself a lovely notebook near your your desk and i call it the confidence journal and in that journal i want you to physically write down feedback, positive feedback that you've received, something that you've achieved in the day, an accolade, you know, or, a, a, or an award or whatever it might be, because if our brains are hardwired to focus on the negative, so we'll forget all the good things that we've done. So you need mm. a place to put all those good things so that you remember. It's an evidence-based, fact-based place that you go to say, okay, this is what, this is what's got me to where I am today. I've done all of these things. This is the feedback that I've got. These are the these are the results that I've achieved in my business. This is whatever it might be. So having that confidence journal is your place, not for anybody else except for you, your place to go when you need that boost, that confidence boost. And that that memory that I'm here today because I've done all of these great things. Now I might want to move to another new role and I might not have the skills yet to go and do that but I know what got me here today. Mm. That's one. Affirmations are a great way of building confidence. So having an affirmation like I'm becoming a confident woman or I am a confident woman or I love to build confidence every day, whatever, whatever your words are, I'm just saying that over and over and over again. Because the more we say it, the more our brain rewires itself. So this is neuroscience. The, the more our brain rewires to go, oh, yeah, that's true. I know that that's true because mm -hmm. you've said it a hundred times or a thousand times. I did it with the, with the podcast. I, well, I don't know whether it was in front of the mirror. I don't think so. But I would literally sit down when I got so terrified of it or there were some challenges or I was like, oh, my God, what will people say? Oh, my God, you know, my English is not perfect. I would I remember sitting in the room by myself and saying out loud, just focus on the process. It doesn't matter. You're enjoying this. Just focus on the process, not on the end goal. So talking to yourself does help. Oh, God, I can yeah. confirm. I talk to myself <laughs> all the time. So for you, it might be I'm becoming a great podcast host. Uh, <laughs> and the becoming, That's a bit pushing. The becoming piece is, is the key yeah. here. Because you're not saying you are. You're saying you're becoming. Because the more you do this, Martha, the more you build confidence around how you present or how you ask questions, how you get the most out of the people that you're interviewing, your your just your whole presence and the English and all of those things are not important in this. It's about the conversation. It's about the mm. learning. It's about the finding that vulnerability. So becoming the Stephen Barrett of, of, of your podcast, right? It's about going deep so that you figure out what is it? What makes this person tick? And that will help build your confidence. You're becoming and, 
a great podcast host. Okay, I'll say it to myself. I probably won't say it in front of everyone, but I'll say it to myself when we... Why don't you say, we, say it out loud now? Say, say it out loud now. Oh, no! What? Say it. Okay. I'm, I'm becoming well, well, I'm, a great podcast host. Okay, I'm becoming a great podcast host. Now, I want, to, I want you to take your hand and I want okay. you to put your hand on your heart. Wherever okay. you are. And I want you to say it. What this does, there's signs around putting your hand here. It connects you to your body. It gets you out of your brain and into your body. So I want you to, with your hand on your heart, I want you to say it. Okay, I'm doing it, by the way. Nobody can see it, but I'm doing it. So I'm becoming a great podcast host. Was that the sentence? Yeah. It was. <laughs> so I want you to write that sentence down and just keep saying it over and over. Look at yourself in the mirror. Put your hand on your heart because that connects with your heart, your heart center. That's okay. trusting in you. Okay. <laughs> there is there is my vulnerability here. Okay. Uh, and I think a lot of it as well, because... Anytime I kind of prepare the questions that I want to talk about or the topics I want to talk about in the podcast, I kind of think a lot about them myself. And one of the things that I think it's, it's helping is if we were talking to ourselves, or maybe that's just my problem, but I actually genuinely don't think so. Um, we talk to ourselves the way we talk to others. So if I have a friend coming to me that comes with, oh, I'm thinking to do this and I'm not sure whether I'd be good and I'm like of course try it like what's the worst thing that can happen like do you know what I mean and just kind of I'm so positive and I'm so encouraging and then if I have exactly the same conversation with myself it's a completely different conversation it's like going from like a romantic comedy to horror movie that's very much the spectrum of it so uh yeah we need to really start we need to talk to ourselves as we talk to our friends yeah. when we approaching those situations. Absolutely. And, you know, our heart, as I said, our brains are hardwired to think of negatives. We'll always, like I call it the gremlin in our head. And that mm. gremlin is not a nice person, is not supportive, is not building our confidence. But we have to catch those gremlins. So we have to hear how we talk to ourselves. That's the first step because sometimes we don't even hear it. We don't, we don't hear how nasty we are to ourselves. So catching that gremlin and, and then looking at it going, is that true? So asking yourself, you know, am I not enough? Am I not good enough? Am I a crap uh, podcast host? Am I uh, um, a, a dreadful coach? You have to ask and you have to look for fact. So our brains work off, our brains work off fact. So going, is it true? And then writing down, Maybe parts of it are true, but parts of it won't be true. And then you have to reframe that gremlin into something that's more supportive and something that your best friend would say to you about that. So it's about mm. taking your best friend and putting her into your head so that she's she's helping you capture, capture the thoughts, looking at them from a factual perspective and then helping you reframe them so it's more supportive for you. It's a little framework there around around uh, supporting your inner gremlins and ensuring that you're talking to yourself in a much better way. I heard that phrase before. That's from uh, one of the, is that the, is that the gremlin? Is that a phrase you use in coaching? Because I did read a book where that phrase, I, don't, I can't remember 
was a chimp paradox or one of those books i think chimps, I'm not sure. it's in chimp paradox but also the it is book isn't it where i came across the word was there's a book called uh, taming your gremlins okay it's an actual book by a, a texan guy i can't remember his name off the top of my head but it's a really good book to start to uh figure out how you capture them how you listen to yourself mm. we're so busy listening to everything else around us that we forget to listen to ourselves yeah and just to reflect on this conversation um i would like to close it with a thought um that i had and i'm just wondering if you agree with me because when i was younger i literally thought everyone has excuse my language but it's my podcast so i can say it everyone had this shit together they knew what they're doing they just they have a plan and i'm the only one like a child in the darkness you know, I'm, I'm trying to figure these things out and as i'm learning now and i'm probably have close very close friends when we we talk about this and we you know probably know each, each other a little bit better i'm recognizing that we all the same just trying to figure it out and the people who are more we would see as successful wherever that success means and not necessarily climbing corporate ladder but this wherever that success is are not any different to us they're just slightly braver and braver to kind of make the mistakes and put themselves into a situation they're not comfortable with they have that confidence of of trying new things mm-hmm. and, and that's the biggest learning that I, I took in the last few years and then that's what i'm trying to, to to follow now i'm just trying to get a little bit braver that's all it is day by day just be a little bit braver and try new things and stop thinking of a failure as a failure but rather think about failure as a step forward i was like, okay oh you've learned something yeah perfect so move on yeah it's moving from that fixed mindset to a growth mindset and carol dweck mm. is the she's the the author of a book called mindset and it's about looking at taking opportunities whether they're you're good bad or indifferent it doesn't matter as long as you're taking those opportunities and failure is a great way of learning and pushing yourself forward so that action piece that builds mm-hmm. confidence so having a growth mindset helps you build that level of confidence and you're right it's all about being courageous and brave but not you don't need to go all you know wonder woman on this it's 10 percent braver just little bits little incremental bits as you said yourself lead to big changes in your life and um, so i would encourage every day you wake up go what's my 10 percent today I like that. And it might be saying, putting your hand up in a meeting. It might be voicing a concern that you have with a boss. It might be um, saying to your husband that you're going to go off and do a gym class. Or I don't know what I don't know what you're like. It's different for everybody. But I want you to think about, and I want the audience to think about it: is what's my ten percent today when they wake up first thing in the morning? I really love it. So let's. Let's finish at it because I think there's nothing else that we need to add to it. Thank you so much, Deidre, for today. Um, Yeah, thank you. And hope you have a lovely day. My pleasure. Thank you, Martha. Thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed it as much as I did and see you next month.